0: When the milk and honey are, are reabsorbed, what it is said to do is create this immense sense of well-being and wholeness, which the individual feels with the totality of life, aka God, creator, whatever word you want to go and use to describe the Most High. Like that's what the sacred secretion is said to go and really, really cement within the internal world of the person who's practicing it. But it's all 100% inside. Now, I have not necessarily had that experience yet, but it hasn't stopped me from wanting to to explore and see if I can find that from within, and I said this about ayahuasca, and I'm going to say it's also true about 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 the chrism or, or the sacred secretion, is so much has to do with intention, what you're looking for, I mean, one of the truths of the human condition is whatever you're looking for, you're essentially going to find, if you think the whole world's against you, you're going, to, you're going to prove that to yourself, if you think the whole world is conspiring, your benefit you're probably going to prove that to yourself as well and so when we're going inside like looking for like if you understand what the sacred secretion is is what's happening when it happens how you go and 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 prepare for it and practice it and if you read enough people uh talk writings on it you'll see that there's some things which are very contradictory and so that's why i'm saying like it's an exploration but it's the, it's the, as they say, it's not the destination, it's the journey itself that matters.
1: Testing, testing, hello.
0: Hello, Mark.
1: (laughs) What's going on, Mike? How
0: are you? I'm doing well. Let me turn down the volume. It's so loud right here. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Are we recording?
1: We are. Should we? Should we not be?
0: Well, you said testing, testing, so I did not know.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I just just switching it up. Just switching
0: it up? So that's how we begin. All right.
1: So, it's been a while. A Feels word. like it's been even longer.
0: So, when was the last time we spoke? How long ago was that?
1: I think it was the yeah. last Friday of April. I think so. Either and that or it was May the 7th,
0: So it's been over a week. Yeah. All right. So let's go, so let's bring me up to speed. What's going on with you, and then we'll and then we'll move on to
1: Well, a couple things. So as i mentioned last time we talked i was on the grimerica show that episode came out very excited about that
0: did you listen to it
1: i listened to their intro but yeah i think i've told you this before i don't know why but there is something about listening to myself talk that just makes me cringe and i know I need to examine myself, reflection, you know, self-improvement, that kind of thing. Maybe it's a a sign that I'm resistant to that for some reason, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I just, when I'm editing my own podcast, I I just kind of make sure the quality, the sound quality sounds good. And I don't really listen to, you know, my own interviews after they're done.
0: I've never listened to a single interview (laughs) I've ever been on why would you a lot of, why would I exactly exactly so okay so what, <clears throat> how was did you have any any good feedback or response from other people yeah
1: yeah it was great a couple people reached out on Instagram and said hey I saw your show with gray America checking out your podcast now that's always great and the week prior I was on Charlie Robinson's podcast and I think they he had 40,000 views on it in the first couple of days so yeah I I definitely think a lot of people have been turned on to my show and then hopefully this show as well since then. But yeah, other than that, I've just been, you know, the end of the month, got to pay rent. So I was doing a couple odd jobs, got out of the house a lot in the past few days and went and worked on the eastern half of the state. Took some videos and some pictures are going to be in the telegram, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful sort of coastal, sort of marshy environment. I love hmm.
0: being outside. So what towns are in the eastern part of Connecticut?
1: Well, this would be think. this would be like the eastern half of the side before the Connecticut River, because the Connecticut River divides the state in two halves. So this would be like Old Saybrook, Deep River, those were the towns I was working in, but maybe the most well-known town would be Old Saybrook because it's one of the older ones. It's kind of a beach, beachy town. But yeah, everywhere between New Haven and, and Old Saybrook is sort of uh, coastal, but it's, you know, Long Island Sound. It's very rocky. It's it's very broken up. It's almost like the coast of a lake more than it is the coast of, of an ocean. <laughs>
0: I've never been to that part of Connecticut, so it sounds it 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 sounds worthy of exploration, yeah, yeah,
1: you gotta you gotta come. I don't feel like I've been enough of an ambassador. Maybe that's an understatement, given how much we talked about such a small state compared to a lot of listeners who are probably all over the world, not just in the East Coast, but yeah, I think it's worth visiting if you like nature, if you like seeing. A unique environment, it definitely qualifies as a unique environment. Long Island Sound, I would,
0: I would imagine that even if you just like Mark, you should come to the <laughs> Well, and that brings no, and me that's what, well, well, what is it? So, is I'm trying to think of my 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 conspiracy historical mindset memory is, is fading me. So, what is the the is it cold spring like military hospital which is on long island which is on the other side of the long island sound which is like where lyme disease supposedly came from and like all sorts of strange things are we talking about like that part of the world yeah
1: so plum island plum island is where the military has their disease center bio you know warfare center Mm -hmm. and then lyme connecticut is on the northern side of long island sound from plum island so the theory where is, is that, that
0: relative to where you were talking about
1: well that that would be further east from where i was but it, it, so that
0: it, was even more east.
1: yeah but it's i mean it's from here to rhode island it's it's very similar yeah okay. i would say everywhere west of new haven is pretty industrial and port and a lot of the the coast is you know high income housing a lot of streets are blocked off because they're like private communities and whatnot so it's really like this part of the state where you can actually drive around by the beach and see the beach without being you know in the midst of like million dollar homes and all that
0: gotcha okay but it sounds it's very <laughs> don't get me wrong there's
1: still a lot of million dollar homes but it's just a different Different feel, more more right, more of a in the in the woods and whatnot. So I was doing like masonry stuff and helping my friend lay tiles, and it's good good time. Shout out to Rob; he listens to this podcast actually.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well glad to hear that. Sounds like you had a good week. Yeah, it's
1: been good. It's been good. Just been doing that, studying a little bit for for the upcoming project which we talked about. Not too long ago. And, and yeah, and, and in conjunction with that, I noticed that there was a sort of a parallel event that took place. I don't think that you're aware, you were aware that I chose this date. I wasn't aware that you were going to choose this date, but we both chose May 15th for our planned walking tours. I noticed you have something going on with the right to the 40th parallel on the 15th. And that
0: is correct.
1: Since May 15th is historically uh, Yale Skull and Bones Tap Day, I figured it would be a good day to tap into the sort of local energy of New Haven and walk around with this kind of awareness for a second time.
0: I had no idea that was
1: tap day <laughs> Skull and Bones.
0: Yeah, I noticed. To, that. I'll have to include that in the in the tour, which we definitely they're all being to initiated. Dropped.
1: I was gonna ask you if you had if you had known that, because I'm like, hmm, maybe Mike's tapping into this initiation theme that's going on on this day.
0: I was just looking for a Sunday in the middle
1: of the month. <laughs> yeah, and you can't go with Mother's Day because that's this Sunday.
0: But yeah, that's this Sunday. I have to remember to call my mother tomorrow.
1: And you know what, the Monday following the 15th is a full moon. I thought that was interesting because the day after tap day is when the actual initiation ceremonies, you know, take place for the chosen few.
0: No, it's not just a full moon, it's
1: an eclipse. Another eclipse. Gee, <laughs> I, eclipse. I thought You're last always week, come in pairs. yeah, last weekend was an eclipse as well, correct?
0: Correct. So you have an eclipse on the new moon and the full moon, which are two weeks apart. Right. Usually.
1: And they always come in pairs. Okay. Cause so the
0: moon is, in the,
1: is still in that same sort of position.
0: Um, for it, that it, period of time. It has to do with what's, what's called the north, the north and south node. Okay. And I have no idea. I mean I could probably see fi- I could probably figure it out, but I'm comfortable just saying that the I have no idea why, but there's this thing called the North Node and the South Node. So it's a line which goes across the zodiac. And the zodiac is the ecliptic which has been divided for astrological perspective or purposes, but that's so imagine with the earth in the center of the ecliptic. That's normally how it's thought of. That's what like a natal chart would look like, yeah. and you have something called a north node and a south node, and it's a line that goes right through the middle from one end to the other, like a, like a diameter of the circle, and it moves about, moves about one degree a week. So I guess that would be like maybe in three years, does it make a full? Does it make a full? Circle around. I guess that would be 180 degrees. But nonetheless, what what happens is this north node, south node, and what I'm saying is I don't know how it's calculated. It's not a it's not a thing with mass. It's it's a, a location in the sky, in the heavens, and the north node and the south node are always opposite from one another. And when a full moon and or a new moon occurs where the north node or south node is then we get an eclipse somewhere on earth and depending yeah. upon how close the new moon or the full moon are to the to the, the north node south node axis is you know whether it's a partial or a full eclipse so we have coming up where is the moon we'll use tropical or the sun the sun I 'm going to say it's what days today we're, toward, we're getting towards you know the second half of Taurus and tropical in the tropical system of tracking astrology and if we have a full moon that means that the moon is opposite the the Sun so if the sun is in the latter part of Taurus that means for the full moon the moon is going to be the middle- the latter part of Scorpio, it's going to be on the same degree, opposite. So if it's at 23 degrees, the sun is at 23 degrees Taurus, that would mean the full moon would be at 23 degrees Scorpio. And I'm kind of like pulling these degrees you know, I'm off the top of my head. I can't say that's for certain, but I do know that's like the, the signage where they're putting it. But then if you were to go and look where the North node and the south node are, you're gonna see that they're very close as well to those locations, and that's why we have an eclipse. And so one of the neat things about the starboard and just, you know, the starboard is the tool which I made, which I keep, which I keep different stones which represent the planets and the placements on the starboard where they are in the heavens, and I move them probably about like, at the at the turning of the moon as it goes to each each phase. So like the, the quarter moon, the full moon, the last quarter, the new moon. Usually about seven to eight days in between. And I just move whatever is moved in that short amount of time. Uh, you begin to you begin to pick up on the rhythm. You begin to see like with your own eyes like this is what's happening and the working mechanism of what we're seeing in the sky begins to make more sense and so eclipses ever since i started doing this practice with the starboard i've had the starboard for a while but i haven't always worked with it the way i I do now like it's kind of fun because you can see when an eclipse is building like okay we're getting close there's going to be there's going to be a full moon and it's starting to line up where the north node and south node are going to be and you know the eclipse is going to pop up so I always think that is, that's a a really, it's kind of a fun thing to do. It's like a a real tangible way to keep yourself in the harmony, in the frequency, in the rhythm of that which is going on above our heads.
1: Well, I'm glad I mentioned that it was a full moon. I didn't plan on getting the astrology explanation out of you. Sometimes you don't want to get into it. I didn't
0: know. Even... You never know what's gonna happen. So let me can I keep what talked about? Yeah. Here? I'm in an astro, I'm in an astro mood. Yeah, good So one. the new moon, which is when the last eclipse was, which was last Saturday night. So I was in an ayahuasca ceremony that night. And the new moons and the full moons are linked with one another. And so now we've got the full moon. So it's cool to do anything with the new moon. The new moon is often, you know, it's a it's a marker in the in the material observable world, whatever the whatever the moon may be, it is a marker which we can identify. We can identify when the new moon is there with our own eyes. And you know it marks a cycle or the beginning of a cycle. And usually it's gonna mark the beginning of the lunar cycle, about twenty eight, twenty-nine days. But it can also corresponds with something else. Like, you know, it's the mark of that cycle. So it's a what happened on on last Saturday, I would say, is a marker for when the next eclipse pair occurs which should be i don't know like probably like six months or so so that was kind of interesting and what's going to happen on this particular full moon so it was it was a it was you know there's all there's a new moon every 29 days and we all always go through that and the moon is it's fun to be able to become familiar with the placements in the heavens where the new moon and the eclipses take place, because then you can go and look at your own natal chart, which is your own <coughs> excuse me, your time date stamp with the universe. You know that's the the most real objective thing you can go, which ties you into your life experience on Earth, larger than your body itself, and you can get an idea of when these things happen how tied into it is it to your own personal experience but it's always limited to it's not always limited to the you know the placements that's just one of them like something you're doing like i would say this was a particularly significant cycle for me because it just so happens that i did an ayahuasca ceremony then as well and that's not part of my regular life or something special so i'm like okay this is special and so where i'm leading with all this is on the follow the monday the 16th of the full moon which is the the linkage to the new moon because it's the full moon of that cycle and it's the linkage to the eclipse because it is the the following the second part of the eclipse unit cycle that also lines up with my chrism or sacred secretion if you're familiar with that and so the reason why i'm sharing all of this with people is because these are like very very tangible markers or ways in which you can live your regular life doing your regular things but then to identify when are like your special day when is something like kind of unique or out of the ordinary happening or at least the marker of when it should be happening in your life so then you can bring about something new to you know, just your how you go about living. You know, you're no it gives you a reason for breaking out of any type of groundhog day experience where like, you know, every day is just like the day before, like after the day after. So these are markers to identify when it is. And I personally find the practice of following your secret, your sacred secretion, your chrism, whatever you want to call it to be a very meaningful and important practice to incorporate in one's life particularly for men.
1: Huh. That is so strange. I so over the past uh few weeks I've had a couple podcasts where pineal the pineal gland has come up as a point of their topic or you know whatever it was. It wasn't like the, you know, what they were coming on the show to discuss. It was just within the information that they were sharing, and both okay. and both times, I felt an intense, almost like a clenching, almost like a even like a cringing kind of feeling, not not in a bad way, but that's the only way I can describe how it like came over me, almost washed over me as I was visualizing or trying to understand what they were talking about because they were both very descriptive, each individual guest with how they were describing. Both of them described what the pineal gland does. And when I thought of this idea that there are little diamond, little crystals inside of my brain, it it caused this sensation, this feeling in my third eye. And the second time I had to mention it to the guest because I just thought, Maybe they would have something to add and, uh, and they said, yeah, well maybe it's a sign that you're, there's a blockage or you need to work on your third eye or something like that, but now you're bringing it up and you're not just bringing it up, you're, you're, this is something you've been actively thinking about over the past week or so, it sounds like so very, very strange for me. What do you think
0: about that? So, so, we'll go with a little, you're, you're kind of like dancing around. So like get like more specific, what's strange about it? Like, what would you want to, what would you want to do?
1: Not, not really anything. I mean, I was just bringing it up as like a remark, like, oh, this is strange. I'm, I'm hearing a description of something inside of my body and it's causing this like visceral sensation in my third eye. Like a a feeling, a physical feeling, which, I don't know. I mean, it's just.
0: So what I, that's one of the things why I think the following the sacred secretion or chrism is is kind of significant because, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit, I don't want to say I'm cynical, but I'm, you know, it's like, you know, I, there's a lot of things that are said out there. And I'm open to everything, but I also kind of like proof. But then there's also times where it's nice to just go purely on 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 belief. But when there's been a lot said about the pineal gland and what it does and like all these sort of things. And you know, people said a lot of things about a lot of stuff which I think is not exactly accurate. So I don't know exactly how i feel you know i don't have a conclusion on this This is mike's opinion of what the pineal gland is but the sacred secretion definitely is you know it falls underneath one of these pineal gland attribute sort of descriptions that when the sacred secretion is triggered and we could go over that again if you'd like to like there's something that is secreted from that at the same time something secreted from uh, the pituitary gland, and it's, you know, it's the milk and the honey, in it, and it goes down, and I can't really see inside of my brain and see if this is happening, so you kind of, you're going in blind faith a bit right there. But that being said, it's, the practice of it feels, you, even if there's nothing to it, like what the practice of it, you know, there's a benefit that comes from it because it encourages, a, it encourages you to, to become a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more intentional with what you do and your actions and your thoughts and your diet and so forth at a particular time in the month and it's unique to you and like I think all of that's kind of cool but then when you add in what you were just telling me like you know you've had this other sort of experience with you've heard people talk about the deal gland and when that happens you 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 feel something like in your head which you know, maybe where the pineal gland is—that—that that gives even more more credence to, like, hey, maybe this is something something I should look into and and begin to mm-hmm. explore with with a greater degree of purpose or intention. That's what I—that's what I think when you tell me that.
1: Well. To be fair i'm not you know some austere yogi pure you know water and and clean food i'm smoking weed and drinking coffee so
0: that might have something well that's 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 kind of like the whole thing which is so cool i think about when you practice the 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 sacred secretion or, or following the chrism is that you'll be like, well, okay, you know, that's, that's my lifestyle. This is how I live my life. And like, yeah, I can understand that I can live another way, but you know, this is what I'm doing. But for two months, two days out of the month, you know, can I go and step out of my normal routine? Right. Could I go and, you know, I treat these two days as being particularly significant and you know, you as the individual who's doing this could go and define and decide what significant would be. And it may change from each lunar cycle and it gets to be your unique, dynamic changing, uh, special relationship, which you know, you are sharing both with yourself and with the, the this environment which you're having your your human experience within you know in a body with earth or ground beneath your feet and heavens above your head and i find that i find that one of the the most empowering and inspiring things that i've heard of about what it's like to be human because it is uh most things, in my opinion, are so arbitrary that, that they, they seem meaningless to me. But because this is, I can, I can track it, or I can, I understand when it occurs is something which is, which is more precise, then then to me at least it feels much more tangible and real. And therefore it becomes easier for me to settle deeply into the exploration of what's going on here
1: right right well can we backtrack a little bit before we go further into maybe explaining that because I feel like the listener might be wondering where is Mike exactly last time we talked to you you were just getting back from your Pittsburgh trip now you what you told me recently that you're no longer going to be in baltimore you got you want to explain yourself and where you've
0: been wow okay (laughs) okay okay we could switch because i i
1: I gotta say you loved baltimore two months ago and now it didn't it didn't sound like you liked it too much i'm not i'm not trying to hold you to the coals here mike but i want
0: to know what, what I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say that. I okay. would say what what what's happening is, is I embrace my experience. The experience right. was great. I just recognize the experience. And so so okay, so on a on a personal level, I was like, okay, I need to go and begin to I wanted to get a a a place back to where I was in Pennsylvania, particularly for the summer to be close to my to my sons, so that was my motivating my motivator and i was kind of going down the mental checklist of okay well what does that look like what you know what what am i going to do where am i going to find a place am i going to rent a place am i going to you know what have you and i don't like to go through the normal channels for most of the things i do So I made a list of people who I know who I could begin to, you know, let them know what I'm looking for. See if they know anything, well connected people and so forth. So the first person I called was Mr. Rich who I've talked about in the past at Gnome countryside because he knows a lot of people and I was like, this is what I'm looking for. And when I called him, he said that there's, his house has a couple, Spots in it and there was someone who had been living There it's got this absolutely amazing location amazing house and he said it's funny that you are calling me today about this about this topic because the guy who's been Living in here for the past two years moved out today <laughs> And I'm like serious and he was like yeah, she's like well, this this fit your need. And I'm like, this would exactly fit my need. So I'm going to be moving back up to Pennsylvania this probably in the next week or so. Back to the fortieth. Back to the fortieth. I'll still be a little bit south of the fortieth. But I'll be I'll be much, much closer to it. And so I am, I, it, it's going to be, I, I, I don't know what exact day I'm going to move out. It'll probably be after the 15th, who knows, but I will, I will move into, I'll move into that place, in you know, countryside, which, you know, it comes with all sorts of implications. Some I'm really looking forward to, some which I'm going to be like, okay, this is where I'm going to have to be able to meet the situation, maybe be a little bit more flexible on my own end, but the bottom line is this is, this is an amazing place to be. I'll probably be there for the summer and I'm very excited for it. And it looks like it'll be about a hundred days that I was in Baltimore. I won't you the exact, exact day for 100 days to go look at a day camera right now. But it feels like my, my uh, my basic training like whatever that experience was has, the has completed now does and so this is how it's working out this is why it's so crazy so it also is corresponding with there's a lot going on in the house which i'm where where i've been staying and as soon as i step out as soon as i stepped out someone else is like okay i'm moving into that spot so there's like this movement it almost seems like the there are there are three bedrooms in the house in baltimore and you know there's there's there are people who move through it so it meets it meets them you know for a period of time and then when they're done they go into something else and i just so happen to be one of the first people there there's there's two people living there right once i'm going to be gone and and i'm just kind of I'm going to always be connected to the place and i'll continue to go back and probably i'll do some stuff there maybe do, do some talks there but but the house is is definitely becoming may 13th would be exactly 100 days that i was there so that will be fun if, if that would be the day i would i would choose to move out for exactly 100 days in baltimore but that sounds like a book title and that's, <laughs> that's hold on for a second about that my speaker just popped out by uh, my, my headphones but that feels like what the experience was it was that hundred days it was kind of highlighted or it peaked with the ayahuasca experience and then the chrism so that's that's kind of my general plan but specifically where am I right now so two, knows, so two nights ago I I went to my friend Ross Vane's house and, and, and Vane is it was he who put on the ayahuasca retreat and he's been studying for years down in in Peru under the you know in the Shipibo tradition of the ayahuasca ceremony and so I went up and I, I was visiting him he lives about maybe about an hour or so north of where I was in Baltimore and it is in a kind of a rural area of Maryland, it's not particularly it's rolling hills and it's not densely populated, but it's you know it's it's kind of it's a little bit farm oriented, meaning like it's not necessarily like really picturesque in terms of the vistas, but it's quiet. And so one of the things which I thought what I noticed while I was there two days ago i've been to i've been to his house you know countless times over the past seven or eight years for however long it has been that i've known him and i felt something really different when i was there this time and i was out in his yard i was staying the night there two nights ago and i was doing my normal kind of daily movements and 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 the physical body work i like to do and then i was just lying down on my mat And as I was saying before, it's, you know, it's outside and it's, it's, it's nature, but it's not exactly like you're not going to be wowed versus where I am in Baltimore. When you go in the backyard, you are wowed. When, when I'm on my mat in the backyard in Baltimore, I'm literally like the, the elevation I am on the deck puts me in alignment with maybe the 75th foot of these 150 foot trees which are in the ground 75 feet below me but because of how the house is situated or where the decks are situated i'm just 15 20 feet away from it but i'm really high up like i have this a very very uncommon relationship uh position with these trees and i do i do my body movement and it's a it's a a phenomenal experience but at the same time i mean you still hear the police helicopters. You still hear the gunshots. <laughs> you know, You are still, uh, still in the same location of where you are, and, and I, and I'd become, I had become, able to focus so so intently on the beauty of the location and at the same time block out what needs to be blocked out that when I was at Vane's house two days ago and I was like oh my god it is so friggin silent and though it did not have the same visual satisfaction it more than made up for it just in the silence factor and so I was like okay I I think I'm ready I'm ready to I'm ready to move out I'm definitely not going away from Baltimore, but I'm ready to move out of that. So I did that two nights ago, and then yesterday. So the reason I came up is because you know I've been going through the saga with with the new to me car, right? Yeah, you're gonna
1: you're gonna give the ASAB to your son, and uh,
0: you're getting a new car, right? So all of that, the, the new to me car, correct. So I went, the new to me car, it's a, it's a 2005 Subaru Outback turbo stick shift. So that's a, it's pretty uncommon. It's a car within, within that, you know, the Subaru world, they don't make many, they don't make that many turbos or, or the stick shifts. Maybe all the turbos are stick shifts. But anyway, so I'm excited for it. I had it towed from Baltimore up to a garage in Lancaster and I was, I had it put on my insurance, and I was going to go and register it in, in Pennsylvania. And when I went to go do that, they were like, "This got a dirty title. I'm like, what do you mean it's got a dirty title? They're like, well, we've got some missing signatures from like 12 years ago and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, <laughs> you can't register this car. I'm like, what do you mean? I can show you I've got a bill of sale? I've got the keys. Like you know, possession is nine tenths of the law. There's no one claiming ownership. The car doesn't have much value. Like that was. so that's kind of where I'm finding myself with the car right now. I got to go and and see how to work through the situation. So now I'm in. I'm a little bit in limbo with what's going to go on with the car. I mean, you have got a couple choices you can go and be like all right well i'm going to completely be out of the system and not register the car and take the sort of risks that come along with such a thing or you have to work through the most ridiculous bureaucratic system in the world no one benefits from this besides the the system itself theoretically it's put in place to protect someone from to making it more difficult to sell stolen cars, but it seemingly does, it creates more problems than than anything else because a lot of people have lost titles and so forth. So I've got that going on. And last night I went up to New Cumberland, Pennsylvania and I stayed up there and was able to connect with some friends I've not seen for a while. And then this morning I had, I had a meeting with a friend of mine by the name of William Padilla Brown, who is kind of like a superstar in the realm of ecological literacy and permaculture. One of the reasons he's a superstar is he does not fit into the the norm, the normal box which someone might fall into. He would have that sort of knowledge set. But he and I were talking, we met today and we had a really exciting conversation about he he wants to do some collaboration with me. So I'm excited about blending some of the work the, the such land work with which you and I talk about a lot, Mark, with someone who's very much grounded on the more material mundane aspects of the ecosystem but who is very much grounded in a, in a mystical perspective that all that he studies definitely points to something much much deeper so that was kind of cool but then I left that meeting and now where I am and this is this is so strange so right now I am in my ex-wife's house and I'm here because I'm gonna uh, stay the night with my boys and she's going to go out tonight but my boys are out at a out at a surprise party one of the cousins surprise parties so here I am in her house and I'm I'm looking around and it's all of the furniture which we had when we were married we were married for 15 years and we we divorced about I think it was like eight or nine years ago. We had a beautiful house and, you know, we both had, you know, another really nice taste. And so like a lot of the stuff, you know, it's it's timeless and beautiful furniture. And I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at my life and where I am right now and where I've come from. And I'm like, here I am full circle sitting on this, sitting on this sofa. I'm looking at the piano and the table and the, and the hutch from, When, when, when she and I used to live together, it's just a little bit surreal. And particularly in hindsight of just completing that hundred day, that hundred day test in Baltimore.
1: Yeah. Wow. Full circle for sure.
0: (laughs) So that's kind of where I am right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I was just, I just learned that Will Smith, who was in the news recently, you remember, you heard, right, about what Will Smith did recently? Certainly. So he's done ayahuasca, I think, 15 times or something like that. It's a part of this autobiography that he put out. I didn't read it, but somebody on a podcast that I listened to had, and they mentioned it, and now you're talking about ayahuasca and I just thought you know like geez what a bad representative for somebody who's done ayahuasca I wonder you know if it didn't work for him or or maybe he's just still you know dealing with a lot but yeah as somebody who's never experienced uh, DMT in any form other than what my own body creates I, I really don't have like a concept for what what it is or or what it does i mean other than what people tell me so it's interesting because people think i guess why i brought will smith up is because people think it's like this life-changing event that makes yeah, whenever, you a better person and and i think it's it's a lot more complicated than that that may happen yeah for some I, there's, people, there's, but,
0: there, there's no pants yet. there's no panacea. Right. like and there's lots of di- different ways in which which, you know, I don't think that, that it's like just calling ayahuasca DMT, like that, that's not a fair comparison. Ayahuasca has. No, uh, I, I just meant any, like I have never,
1: I, I meant to be right. like as broad as possible. Like I've never experienced anything in that category, let alone that, you know.
0: Well, well the reason I, I, I snapped onto that was because that is a common sort of statement. Mm which is like, oh, well, you know, ayahuasca's got DMT, and, you know, it's basically DMT. I'm like, no, it's, it's from my experience. So so I've only had a handful of, you know, I'm by no means an expert. I'm just an expert of what I've done. There are, there are many ways in which, you know, you can kind of have an ayahuasca experience. And I know when I first was introduced to it, I thought of, i thought of the ayahuasca the the purpose of ayahuasca was the substance like that's a very that's a very common way of approaching something in the way that our minds have been conditioned to see reality that ayahuasca is a thing it's a substance i take it into the body and it's just like mechanism like you know it's 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 like when you put this in the body, it then has this effect, which affects this, which affects this. It's very like machine oriented. that's we we've been really taught to think about things that drugstore version of things. exactly, exactly. And so what what the the conclusions which I have reached, so I've only had one type of ayahuasca experience, and that's the shikibo ceremony. Mm. But I know there are other ones. there's like the ayahuasca church. I, I can't think of the, the, the official name, but there's like I know a church here in the United States where like taking the the ayahuasca right is recognized by the government as a legal religious sort of mm. experience. Florida, yeah. And I've heard someone I've heard someone tell me what that what that is like. I'm like, Oh my god, that is so friggin' different <laughs> from from what I had. Yeah, I recently uh, just I...
1: spoke to somebody who, who went, who has been down there several times, actually the episode before you, when we did Illuminati confirmed, the guest before you was somebody who's been to that ayahuasca church in Florida a couple times.
0: So the, so I could just speak of the, the, the tradition, which, which I have experienced and in that it is. And it sounds so it it is you go through this experience and the experience is so insane. It is absolute insanity, but beneath that insanity, there is a structure and order. And when you go through it, like when you come out the other side, one way or the other, one way or the other, like you're kind of different. And if you can hold on to where that change, where you have been changed from going through such an extreme experience, well then that can change your life. It's whether or not the person has the wherewithal to hold that space. Like it will bring you into a different space. Can you hold that and carry it with you? You know, that's often you you've or at least I've heard of many stories of. Of people who have struggled with some pretty intense addictions and then after ayahuasca ceremonies they're able to move off of it and it is you know I don't exactly I mean, I could I could come up with thoughts or ideas but I really just don't know what it is but there seems to be this some total of the substance with the intentions but primarily with like the songs and and the darkness because a lot of times from what i understand the the ayahuasca church and it's done in light like you know the lights are on and you can see everything and you're sitting in chairs and it's so different than than the shapiro tradition but you know again i'm just saying that some people told me about what it is so i haven't actually experienced myself but what i do know is when you go through what i've been through and you see how Crazy it is. Like literally, you're in the dark, and like, you know, at any given point, there could be a certain number of people violently retching. <laughs> you can listen to like maybe some tears and some crying, and then the singing, like the songs which the, which the, the people who are leading the ceremony sing and their movements. And it's just, it can be so overwhelming as you are in, it feels like you're in a waking dream, but at the same time, you're definitely not feeling good in your body. I mean, maybe it'll come in waves. And it's, when you come out of it, you're just like, what the hell happened? And every single time I've been through a ceremony, I get to this point where I just start laughing because I'm like, this is the craziest thing in the world, but it is so perfect. It is so like, Like there's such genius in it, in the way that it's, it's literally life uh, of being human on earth. It is messy. It is humbling. It is unexplainable. It is beautiful. It is scary. It is like tension and relief. It
1: is everything. I really relate to that. I've had similar experiences of like laughing, but from, realizing, you know, I'm thinking of like a mushroom experience, but just having this like gnosis, but it's just so hilarious. Cause it's like, you almost, you kind of knew it and it, it's like, it couldn't be this simple, at least speaking for myself. That's like, oh geez, this is it, you know? And I just laugh hysterically from like the bottom, you know, deep, but yeah.
0: So let's let's go back to then. Let's go back to what we were talking about in the beginning of this episode. I'm going to link this back to like the chrism and the sacred secretion. So if you listen to a lot of the the people who speak about what's the guy's name that his initials are SB, Mr. Astro Theology, I can never remember it. SB. Like Santo, Bene- yeah, oh, Santo Spinacci. Yeah. Okay. So he's one of in my that I know of, he's one of the, the the foremost experts who talks about the sacred secretion. And it has been my opinion in listening to multiple people talk about it that it's a little bit oversold in the same way that I think that ayahuasca is oversold. Like if you just heard about it, you'd be like, Oh my god, it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm gonna do this once. Like I don't think it got together that way. I haven't had that experience. But one of the things which is being oversold are, are talked about in these very grandiose ways is like what happens to someone when they practice the the sacred secretion and it is very similar in terms of the end goals or the end purpose of ayahuasca just without the like it's not as intense so not you're not hallucinating vomiting you're not going through that experience but when the milk and honey are are reabsorbed what it is said to do is create this immense sense of well-being and wholeness which the individual feels with the totality of life aka god creator whatever word you want to go and use to describe the most high like that's what the sacred secretion Is said to go and really, really cement within the internal world of the person is practicing it, but it's all one hundred percent inside. Now, I have not necessarily had that experience yet, but it hasn't stopped me from wanting to to explore and see if I can find that from within. And I said this about ayahuasca, and I'm going to say it's also true about, about, about the crazy or, or the sacred secretion is so much has to do with intention, what you're looking for. I mean, one of the truths of the human condition is whatever you're looking for, you're essentially going to find. If You think the whole world's against you, you're going, to, you're going to prove that to yourself. If you think the whole world is conspiring to your benefit, you're probably going to prove that to yourself as well. And so when we're going inside, like looking for, like, if you understand what the sacred secretion is, is what's happening when it happens, how you go and, and, and prepare for it and practice it. And if you read enough people, uh, talk, writings on it, you'll see that there's some things which are very contradictory. And so that's why I'm saying like, it's an exploration, but it's the, It's the, as they say, it's not the destination, it's the journey itself that matters. And that's what I think is the case with with the sacred secretion. So, whereas ayahuasca, in my opinion, is a very, very acute experience. You know, I practice ayahuasca very, very sparsely. And when I do, I have a great deal of intention. But then what you can do on a much more regular basis is, is, the the practice of the chrism and they kind of go hand in hand and so i i i think that things like that are foundational foundational markers within the journey of anyone's life you know there have to be certain things which which we use as our touch points as we move through life We've been given false ones to culture, you know, you've been told like, you know, now you get the weekend and you get to go out and get drunk and, 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 uh, and watch a football game, but then come Monday morning, you go back to work and you got to start paying your debts. So it goes, your markers in the false system. But then we we can find like true markers within within our own lives which ties directly to things which we can really verify with our eyes something we can really understand and know is actually happening right now is the time which you know I'm, I'm referring to then the lunar cycle when i say that
1: right wow so when we're talking about the the sacred secretion is this something that has i mean i'm feeling like i'm going into the same answer to my previous question which is there's no panacea but is there one defined way to open your pineal gland so to speak or are there many ways because i've played around with mantras and trying to do home and and different other chants that
0: so, I would say that this is different than opening your, your, your uh, pineal gland. In fact, I would say I don't even know what open your pineal gland <laughs> means. I think that's a metaphor. Like, I, and I'm not like busting your balls, but I mean, this is one of the things, like, I've heard that phrase many times. And then I'm like, well, what does that mean? And people can't answer that. Like, there are a lot of things in our culture which we have words that describe something if you push hard enough you're like well what does that mean like people can't answer
1: well so
0: that but that being said i think that that vibration in the body and focus there's something there i've i've definitely experienced that to be a truth so that would be something to me it's about exploration and finding it's the We've been conditioned to believe that this is the right way to do something and this is how you do it and if you don't do it the right way, you're doing it wrong. I throw that out the window. I'm like, okay, you know that there's something there which is kind of capturing your attention and your awareness? Well, then go and start to play with it. And if you're you're really being smart, You're going to go and look at other people who've done it before you, and you're going to probably realize that there are many, many approaches. And then you'll be like, okay, well, well, then I'm going to come to the conclusion that maybe there's not just one right way, and maybe I could be inspired by all of these different things. And that's what I mean by playing with it, as opposed to like following a set recipe, which may have worked for one person, which may or may not work for you. At least you, you, you want to use that as a jumping off point. Um, so what is said to occur, which happens naturally on the secretion is there is something which is triggered in the heavens. and so we can get to what I mean by that, uh, more specifically in a moment. But when that happens, your pineal gland and your pituitary gland, each secrete, they release like a, like a drop of, of. You know, some sort of oil or some something which comes from the from your endocrine system. That's what your endocrine system does. It's always releasing these these substances, and then when that is released, it will then go and follow a path where it drops down from your brain through your sp- the the spinal cord to the sacrum down at the very bottom of your spinal cord cord, and then it comes back up and then it goes to parts of the brain and then it's reabsorbed and the purpose of the practice it's the what, what's said is the reabsorption of it has these very rich powerful effects on the human being and how they literally feel and and interact with reality in a very very like it it feels like you know i'm going to use this phrase i don't know if this is exactly what 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 i've read elsewhere but i pictured as like you're embraced by god you you felt like you are completely supported and are at one with the divine like that's what it said that this thing does and it happens naturally every lunar cycle and it just like constantly reabsorbs that so when we go through life you always have that feeling, and I would call that feeling is being at home. That's literally what being at home is. You feel like you are completely supported in your life, in your body, with earth under your feet and, and sky above your head. And I would say that is, that is the state all human beings strive to reach in order to then live life. Like, the reaching that state is not the goal it's that when you're at that state life changes and then you live a different life the practice of the chrism is to know when it's happening and to know what to do in order to increase the likelihood of that reabsorption because it's very easy to for it to like dissipate like if you can think about anything like within your body where like you gotta have to like build up to something for something to happen this is the same thing like it has to be built up and you know it can disappear and how does it disappear it disappears through you know maybe being too active or maybe too acidic in the body maybe quote unquote lower vibrational activities or lower frequency more base activities like all these different sort of things that's This is why I'm saying like it's an exploration. If you go and do research, you're going to see contradictory information, but they all kind of are saying like there's something significant. Same thing would be true if you were to go and look at all these different sort of religions and you'd be like, hey, their stories are kind of contradictory, but the followers are all going after the same sort of end result. It is my opinion that it is through the practice of going through this on a regular basis. It is just, the very fact that you're doing that regardless if you reach that promised land or not it's like going through it is is beneficial to you in your life it takes you out of the mundane it puts you in sacred or divine time uh you're learning you're bringing much more acuity and resolution into your inner world and you know And hopefully, you know, whether or not this happens or not, you're going to be able to really get into that place and discover that place, which is the reason why you're trying to do this anyway, which is to feel not through, like, affirmation, trying to convince oneself. And there's affirmations are very, very powerful, and I think that they should be used. But, like, there's something even more fundamental, which is happening, which would bring the person into a state of total at homeness or at oneness with being with being human and part of being both separate and part of part of the whole all at the same time. And that
1: is sparked in the heavens. Did you explain that? Did I miss that part?
0: So okay, so this is what said. So I'll walk you through this. I'll walk you through it the best I can. Uh, I. I can explain it. So you've got your natal chart, right? You know what I mean by your natal chart?
1: Yeah, you you
0: sent me or actually you what's gave me the definition. Me a, a printout what's of the it? definition what's the definition of a natal chart? It's
1: the snapshot of where the planets and heavenly bodies are on the on the moment of your birth.
0: Where they are relative to each other, relative to the to earth you. and relative to the sky. Well, it is where they were when you were born. So right. it's like literally what I mean relative to each other is, so if you were born when there was a full moon, that means that the moon was opposite the the sun. That's relative to each other. Right. So all of the planets, where are they relative to each other? But then it also is, well, you could have been born on a full moon, but it was right when, when the moon was at the highest point of the sky, at the mid-heaven, or it could, you could have been born on the day of the new moon, or of the full moon, but it was when the sun was out and you didn't see it. Like, like that would be the planets relative to the Earth. And so understanding that, that's a real thing. Now let me ask you this. Does that change? Does your natal chart change throughout your life? No. No, it doesn't. It's static that's what it was when you were born it's a picture it's a time date stamp and so now if you want to take that a little bit further each one of those locations so we're going to go with the sun so uh, what, what what's your birthday your 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 october birthday am i correct with that or november october yeah libra october eleven. october what october 11th so I'm going to guess, using tropical, because they changed the signs on the 21st, you are probably at, your sun is located at, I'm going to say, 20 degrees Libra. And that's a specific location in the sky. Like When you say to an astronomer, 20 degrees Libra, they know that means something. Like In theory, they would go to the constellation of Libra, and Libra has 30 degrees in it, And so the very beginning of it is zero degrees, and the very end of it would be 30 degrees, and then say, like, this is where 20 degrees is, and to be able to identify it by stars, be like, that's the spot. And so that location, let's say 20 degrees Libra, that is the location where the sun was when you were born. Okay? That never changes. It was all, they, you, you, for whatever it may mean, you have a connection, just like me, When I was born, the sun was at 10 degrees Sagittarius. All right, that's my spot. So in a lunar 29 day cycle, the moon goes all the way around the Zodiac, all 360 degrees, every single degree that makes up the Zodiac. So that would be from zero degrees Aries, which is where they say the Zodiac begins to, 29 degrees Pisces, which is the last sign in the Zodiac. Like that's 360 degrees, and the moon makes that loop. We'll, we'll go through that in a full lunar cycle. So at some point in that lunar cycle, it will go over 20 degrees Libra. At some point in a, every lunar cycle, it is going to go over 10 degrees Sagittarius. Now, when that happens, it is said that that is a trigger. This happens within each person. That it will go and naturally the same way that it said that the the moon triggers its position can affect the tides. There's also suggestions that the moon has nothing to do with the tides. I don't know, but this is we're going with the theory. This is why I was talking about blind faith because I can't say this is true or not, but I'm choosing to go and participate in it because I think it sounds friggin awesome. And even if nothing's happening, I know to the practice of doing so that I am getting a benefit. But that being said, I think something does happen. When the moon hits the location in every single person on earth, where whatever their, the location, the sun was when they were born, when the moon hits that once every 30 days, that is the trigger. It's releases the pineal gland and the, the pituitary gland secretion. Now, what I say is a little bit different than what is the what you would hear from what's his name, Santos?
1: What's his name? Santos
0: Bonacci. Yeah, Santos Bonacci. So Santos Bonacci, and this is what most people say. They say the sacred secretion begins when the moon enters the sun of your of your sun or your star sign that's that's what they usually call it they call it your star sign so what that would mean is when the moon goes into libra for you or for me that would be when the moon goes into sagittarius but that's that doesn't make any sense it makes absolutely no friggin sense because that is not a real thing there is no actual line in the sky that defines where the where the where that sign begins. If you look at sidereal, and if you look at tropical, they're gonna have the beginning of Libra slightly separate. If you follow 13 sign astrology versus twelve sign astrology, well then it changes it as well. So because I know that to be true, I know that there cannot be a definitive line that would trigger the secretion. The only thing that would make sense is something that is factual and real. The sun was really at an actual spot. We happen to use the tropical system to identify where it is. We could also use the sidereal system. We just have to be consistent with with figuring out our our transit times. So or what what the moon is doing in real time. That's easy enough to do. But that is the trigger. That would that to me. Is the only thing that makes sense it would never be by an imaginary line it would be by a little spot which I can say for certain is where the Sun was when I was born not like a sign which could change depending upon the system I use because this is the thing if your sun was if when you were born the Sun was rising it was on the eastern horizon like that's a physical place that you can imagine and like shut your eyes Imagine you were born. Your mom just gave birth. She's like, "Oh, look at baby Mark! I'm so excited!" And they and what they what they do is like what the human being is supposed to do is when the child comes out of the mother with the umbilical cord still uh, attached, the child goes on the mother's belly, is placed upon the mother's be- belly, and the child instinctively crawls up the mother. It's just what they do. We don't wipe anything off and we allow that to happen. That's the way we're meant to go and, and give birth and have a child and then connect with the mother. And, and It's a real shame that it doesn't always happen. But nonetheless, if the sun was on the eastern horizon, if the sun was rising when that happened, I don't care what what you call that sign, like whether that be in Sagittarius or what have you, depending upon the system you use, it is always at... It was It was objectively at that location on the uh, Easter horizon. it was rising then. So we know that there is an objective truth. We can go and see that with our own eyes. And so utilizing that level of, of observable, knowable truth, I use I use that to really dial into when the sacred secretion begins. And then from that, It is said to be practiced for uh, two and a half days or 30 degrees of arc if you want to talk about it from a a astrology geometry perspective or if you want to talk about it from an esoteric Christianity perspective the amount of time which Jesus spent in the cave that is when you, you you practice that you know that that period of stillness and peace and and quiet outside of your normal your normal daily business hmm. wow and i had have- also let me say one more thing and yeah. then i want you to sec. is this is true for all human beings but i'm going to say it's particularly significant to follow for men because for women they have their own cycle which is which men don't have which is quite obvious. Like, you know, we're talking about the, the what we're talking about, the sacred secretion, that's all internal. There, there, there's, when, when, when a woman bleeds, like there's no misunderstanding. Like you can't miss that. So like that is, a, that is a female, that is a woman's primary, her primary cycle. She can still follow, she can still follow the sacred secretion, but that is the one which requires the most amount um, of, of attention. But because a man does not bleed, that does not mean a man does not have a cycle. We've got this cycle and it becomes even more significant. Like all human beings should be immensely aware of how their body cycles with the with the greater cycles in which we we live within. And we do that for one reason only. It's so you can integrate with it.
1: Damn Mike, that's a heavy dose. <laughs> that's a heavy <laughs> dose of information. Damn. Yeah, I I definitely had no clue that this was going on. So, you definitely enlightened and, me, but know, I have like,
0: aren't you aren't you kind of curious now?
1: Well, yeah, and it's it's really cool cuz I could have you a not
0: be- how could a human being not be curious when they hear this and they'd be like, I want something real. I want something. And like the act of figuring it out, like it's not hard to figure it out, but there's something that happens when you, Mark does it, when Mike does it and you begin and it's only between you and the universe, which is God, right? Like whatever word you want to go and see it, like that's what we're all looking for. Everyone's everyone's like all of the stuff of, of of what it the 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 quote unquote fears of being human which are ultimately always boiled down to a sense of abandonment is the sense of not being part of the whole and so if you can go and develop practices that's what all of the religion and the prayer all of those are ways in which we as seemingly individual parts are how we can go and integrate back into what we're always part of and the more we're disconnected from it the more abandoned and alone we feel and the more we have to grab onto things that make us feel that we're a part of something when we don't have when we have internally and intrinsically an understanding and a feeling of what that connection is all of that artificial like okay i need to be Codependent or connected to this, like that, begins to disappear. Hmm. So, okay, you were about to say something, but I needed to say that because I got all excited.
1: No, it's all right. I was just going to say thanks to you. I have my whole um, chart in front of me because you, when you gave me the starboard reading, it came with a, a printout of my. and I Not always pronounce. I always pronounce it wrong, but citarol. Time next to my tropical times, so yeah, you were almost correct. It's eighteen degrees, well maybe I don't know. It's eighteen degrees and then twenty uh, apostrophe. So I don't know if that
0: uh, means you're correct or not. But I think it's in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, so and, and and I mean. I like to talk about, I call it natural astrology, and natural astrology moves away from like the storytelling and goes more into understanding like the actual location of all of the, the heavenly bodies and knowing what it is and how to figure it out and holding a recognition that yes, there is a lot of significance and stories with it embedded within that knowledge, but not needing to know that. To just say, if I go and I do that, if I posture myself correctly, like it all kind of takes care of itself. And you know, anyone can get their their NATO chart for free. That's the beauty of the internet right now. It's the golden age of astrology, because anyone can go and type in their information and, and they'll be spit out. And there's unlimited resources which will interpret your chart. But I'm of the opinion, like if you can hold in that space of not needing to try to understand everything, but recognizing that this is just a reflection of how you connect, and then be comfortable in that, but without needing to know that is where we find the real gold. You know, going back to the idea of it's not the destination, but it's the journey. It's not learning what all of like oh I've got uh, I've got Venus in Capricorn and it's conjunct Mercury, like what that means. As much as like okay well the Venus and Mercury in the same place and and, and okay I'm gonna sit with that I'm hold that without needing to know that that's a story but that it is significant one way or the other there's something very freeing and empowering in having that information
1: definitely definitely and I'm I'm always sort of, I don't know, and astrology's not that mathematical, but I do sort of get baffled when I see the degrees and the
0: charts and, you know, everything it, kind of. It, it, it's, it's so confusing. It took me so long to go and, and, and really figure out what it all meant.
1: Well, and I'll tell you to your credit, you know, when Tara and I came to visit you and you were kind of explaining to us, like, you know, remember we looked through, I think it was like a high zoom camera lens we are looking at the moon and looking at the different placements of certain stars and when you put it in that context of like well this is happening over your head at all points throughout your day and every day throughout your life it's it, it becomes something that you can kind of visualize so yeah although i it will becomes, have to go back and listen to this
0: real. yeah <laughs> it because, and that's the whole thing it's like this becomes real it's not an abstract Right. It's not this thing, which I just kind of think about as an idea, but like now I can see it. I understand that it's happening because when we look at astrology as just a story, it's just a pure abstract. But when we look at it as, as something which is tangible and you can see, but maybe a mystery, well then it's a completely different relationship. Right. Right. That's what excites me.
1: Yeah yeah definitely. And I've been you know stressing over getting settled into our new place because of that energy of finding it kind of carried over into it, so now it's nice to to get on track and we have this really cool calendar that I was looking at before that's how I knew it was the full moon in Scorpio on the sixteenth and it has all the you know times and whatnot and the little symbols and I'm probably gonna write myself a little chart and paste it next to the calendar so I'll be able to interpret all the little symbols quickly. But yeah, it's it's cool to, to be able to plan around something that's rooted in the baseline reality. And this is something that we've been talking about a lot. I definitely wanna schedule two days a month to just Be you know clean sober maybe even fast. I don't know. Maybe I should try Just being clean sober no smoking for two days a month and see what that does and then integrate fasting into that but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot on the horizon and uh, It's inspiring to to learn about All this there's a couple episodes of my podcast that I'm like, "Ah, I wish you uh, I want I want you to listen to them so that I can ask you about, you know, certain things, but maybe next time.
0: Oh, uh, do you know there's certain things you want to ask? Well, you're saying you don't have that? No, no, no. Funny.
1: I think we, I think we talked a little bit, but I kind of information overload at that period so i didn't know exactly where to take it but one interesting like stream that kind of came through the past 20 or so interviews was you know like the landscape metaphysics and all that and michael hoffman was talking about the the erie canal and the psychic highway and then i spoke with robert sullivan and he was talking about the erie canal and how the royal Ark of Freemasonry did their ceremony on a certain day, you know, all lined up for the Erie Canal. And uh, yeah, it was interesting because although Robert Sullivan is a 32 degree Freemason, he sort of has a less mystical interpretation, I think, than I do. But he did verify, verify a lot of things that we talk about, which is interesting to hear from a 37
0: degree Freemason. So, uh, I, I can we talk about that for a minute because I think that's interesting yeah uh, so you mentioned that you just mentioned that that within that this guy was verifying or he was, he was sharing this being an insider within the their freemasonic fraternity that when they do their rituals their rituals are like structured like physically in such a way to um To reflect or or to be in harmony with maybe you know you said the Erie Canal or maybe something up in the sky in the heavens right like the guy himself he's he's not very mystical he's like ah, you know it's like this is just what we do and this is why we do it but like I'm not gonna really I I don't get I don't find it interesting or I'm not intrigued by like the the deeper elements of it
1: yeah you know I wouldn't say that completely I don't think he was I think he's interested in the deeper elements as it pertains to like where this symbolism comes through in in mainstream culture, but like that detailed and specific, no, he wasn't. And, and yeah, the astrology thing, it seemed like he had more of a, yeah, more less mystical approach than I do, I guess. But you know, he for what he does, it's hard to, you know, compared to the average person, he's certainly mystical. <laughs>
0: So, so I, am not talking, I'm just using him as an example. I'm using it as a continuum of human beings and what, like, what certain people find interesting and not interesting. Uh, And this goes into that continuum of like abstract versus concrete. What we're describing, it doesn't matter if you have like a mystical perspective or a concrete perspective, like when you're doing it, when you understand like, okay, I'm doing something on earth and I'm doing it to reflect or to be similar something else like maybe no different than the 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 pyramids in in egypt being a reflection of a lion's belt like all of this what's generally referred to as sympathetic magic like when you do that when you are replicating something you're getting in harmony with it like that's the whole point of in my opinion of why the sacred secretion like following it and figuring it out just for that sake Like. It requires your brain to be focused on such a thing and to figure figure out these dates and whether or not anything is happening or whether or not you think like there's a real deep mystical thing or you're just doing it because this is what you're supposed to do. Like something happens, and it doesn't matter what you're like. If, if you're mystical about it or less mystical about it, that's just like how much salt you like to put on your French mm, fries. It's like right. flavor. It doesn't matter. Like, do whatever you want to do. Do what's true to you. But realize what you're doing is greater than the fact than what you, whatever it is you think it is. Mm. And, and that is like kind of like the saving grace. We're so focused on wanting to do it the right way. Just, just do it understand why you're doing it recognize your personal preferences but like don't get caught up into it you No, know? let it be
1: right well and and that's i think that's exactly where he is that's what it.
0: i that was the impression i got with yeah. you,
1: when you're describing him but one thing that made me think of this connected to you know what we the you know the majority of what we spent time talking about today is that the eerie connect i don't remember the exact word it sounded like a european you know greek or roman word for this but it was the milky way he said that the erie canal was built to reflect the milky way right that's and that's the ceremony that they did Mm -hmm. and there's a constellation that is i guess to the the one that i'm forgetting the name of it i guess kind of represents this he called it something belt or but i asked him you know the milky way so i'll have to go back and and look and see what he said exactly but yeah, the Erie Canal was sort of consecrated with that ritual, and he also said that the ritual happens before they build, not after they build. I think.
0: Say that again.
1: Like when they when they consider like the the birth of the like if we're gonna create a natal chart for the Hoover Dam or the Erie Canal or or any building, right? They would. I think he he. I could be flip-flopping this, but I'm almost certain he said that they would consider the start of the build when the natal chart was cast, not, like, the completion of it, Hmm. which, again, I could be flip-flopping that, but I'm almost certain he said
0: that, so. That, that is, I mean, I could see either way. I would see either way. I mean, I don't even think it really matters as much as it is that it's agreed upon and understood that this is what you're doing I mean that that seems to be to me part of the the malleability of reality Mm. like the the this maybe even dogmatic way of approaching something to be like it's got to be at the at the completion or it's got to be at the beginning and like doesn't got to be anything it's like if I'm gonna do it at the beginning I'm choosing the beginning because of These X Y Z factors, and this is the reason why I'm doing it. And if you have that knowledge, whether you're saying these are X Y Z reasons why I cast the natal chart at the beginning, versus I'm going to cast at the end for these other reasons, I think they're probably they're both very accurate, and maybe it becomes or takes on the flavor of the intention and the purpose and the like, you know, the logical thought of the person who's. Who is the the quote unquote magician who is casting? That's who's doing the casting,
1: mm, right?
0: That's my take. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, if you have time, I definitely recommend you check that episode out because he's he's the Baltimore guy I was telling you about.
0: He's the Baltimore guy. You're trying to tell. You're trying to suggest. You're trying to suggest that my love for Baltimore.
1: It's fading. <laughs> no, I was piling on to the to the uh, teasing that Ross was doing at the beginning of from the 40th. I think you guys were. Yeah, it was. It was at the beginning of the one where he was down there in Baltimore with you. So no, just uh, teasing. No,
0: yeah. you. I I don't even remember that. That's funny. I'm just giving you a hard time. We're all having fun here. All right. Well, I'm looking at the clock right now. I got to go and pick up my boys in probably about like five or ten minutes. Are there any final thoughts or final things which we want to go through?
1: No, no. I had the I had the feeling that it was about time to wrap up. So yeah, let's uh, let's just let folks know. Thank you for tuning in is there any updates you want to tell people about the 15th may 15th and and what you're doing with that, that,
0: the, right anyone, to the 40th anyone is, yeah like if anyone's around on the, if anyone lives in the you know near Lancaster near the Susquehanna River in the 40th parallel I'm doing you know during the, the spring through fall I did once a month I'll do a tour at different spots so this May 15th is going to be the first one I'm doing this year and that'll be a Chickie's Rock if you're interested in that you know just send me a message there are a couple spots that are available I think I've got like four people signed up I mean it's hard you know how hard it is to get people to come out of their house I'm always surprised by how few people come <laughs> but you know what It it is what it is so I'd love to do that well uh, hey
1: it's that time of year when people are getting antsy they want to get out of the house and do something fun so, so. And you know you know we got done. we got listeners that are in nearby states and who knows maybe someone will take a will take a trek
0: down there and they should yeah you it's worthy it. i mean i did it, it well well, it definitely is. We usually, like I do these on like private sessions, I I usually charge like two hundred bucks if someone's going to like, hey, can you give me a tour one of these Greek tours? I, I think I charge thirty dollars per person. Same same tour. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's if, if you're financially motivated, interested, you definitely do it that way. But yeah, I've got that coming up. I don't that'll be next week. Yeah. And there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things. Like I feel like one of the things which I have discovered, which I noticed when I was in Baltimore was it was immensely difficult for me to create there. And for atmospheric reasons? For probably a variety of reasons. Yeah, definitely the the place itself. It's I need to be in a very, very specific location, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, before the creative energy passes through me. And no, that was not in Baltimore. and So but rather than trying to force it, I'm like, well, this is Baltimore. It's not the place where I do this. I'm supposed to do something else in Baltimore. And that's why I kind of like look at it as my 100 days sort of like test. But now that I'm moving out, I'm excited to step back into the the creative element. I think I'm going to start producing more content even more so. I've gotten a lot of support recently in terms of, Interest in the, the 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 calendar system which I've developed, and I really want to be able to start yeah. offering that through workshops, whether that's preferably in person but like downloadable. So a lot of that's going to be coming out. I still do one-on-one sessions. I do about like maybe one or two a week. If anyone is interested in that, we go through. And that always ends with me showing someone where the next three chrisms or sacred secretion dates are. And I teach them how to figure it out themselves so they don't have to go and pay someone money for something they can do themselves. I just teach them how to, what why it matters and, and, and those sort of good things.
1: Beautiful. Well, thanks, Mike. I, yeah, I think we'll, we definitely got to do something before the 15th. Hopefully we can get back together before then and put another episode out. But, but until next time, thank you folks for tuning in. You know me, my family thinks I'm crazy. Tune in there to find in every, find out everything I'm doing. But if you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you're both, you're familiar with the both of us already, but anyways, until next time, Mike, thank you so much.